Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today I want to talk to you about two things that keep us from growing, that keep us from trying, and what we can do about it. How can we overcome these two things so that we are actually growing and trying and that we are sucking the morrow out of life, to quote one of my favorite authors. It's going to be a great day, and I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello. Welcome. My name is Joe. I hope today, whatever day this is for you, where you're listening to this, is going well for you. I'll talk to you today about normalizing failure. Uh, it's something that's been I've been chewing on for a long time. Very specifically, it's been in the front of my mind for the last three months regularly. And I, I want to talk about uh, two things, really. How almost everyone I know, there's something they want to do, but they don't do it because they're afraid of failure. They don't even try it. And my guess is that this is for a couple reasons. I, I actually think cancel culture plays a part of it. People are afraid to do things. People are afraid to say things because if it doesn't line up to what is a modern-day mob mentality from both sides, uh, it, it tends to lead to canceling and doxing and all those bad things that are part of social media and the digital world that we live in. Uh, if you don't get along with the stated program, you you tend to be in trouble. Even, you know, if it's a... I was just reading an article about a truthful tweet. Someone lost their job at a media company uh, because they tweeted a truthful tweet and uh, actually settled with the organization. What I thought was fascinating was the, the organization's lawyer... Uh, was like, well, this was never about the First Amendment and... You know, and then the reporter followed up with, well, what was it about? Well, he said, well, it was about the behavior of the individual after the tweet. And, and and the reporter was like, well, what was that behavior? And there was no answer. And so I think one of the things that happens is people watch that. And there is this, there is this uh, measuring that people do. Like, okay, well, if I go try this thing, what kind of grief am I inviting into my life? And even as, you know, a, a small business owner in a small town, there are things that, that you invite into your life if you want to try something. We have this big dream, what we want to do for the company, what we want to do with our, with our company. And, and that invites things into your life that you don't want. And it also invites things that you do want. And so you have to pay that out. And we've talked about that before. In the context of price, cost, value, planning on another episode of that coming up soon, and so I do think that plays a part of it. When I talk to people, that plays a part of it. And, and then I think the two other, the probably the bigger role players are imposter syndrome and fear of embarrassment. So let's deal with imposter syndrome first because, uh, well, I think that's very prevalent. And this is where if you succeed, you're afraid that you don't belong. And this is, this is something that I see regularly with people. Uh, I have a friend who just got a great promotion at work and is going to move her to essentially be the second in charge of an entire uh, region of employees. 
And her immediate fear was, what about these people that didn't get the job and now I have to hire one of them as my assistant? What are they going to say? What's going to be their approach? And, and so there's that cancel culture thing, right? There, there is part of that. You know, are they going to call me bitter? Are they going to call me these names? And, and I think that's legitimate. Like that is something to con- be concerned about. But I think even more, the concern is, do I actually really belong in this position? Because self-doubt rides with almost everybody. And there is this distress of, okay, great, I got this promotion. But what if I don't actually deserve the position? And I think this comes for a lot of reasons. We all, I mean, by the time you're, I don't know, you're probably in your mid-20s. We all have a story about someone who was working a job that they really shouldn't have been in, that they really had, were not qualified for. Just last night, I was talking to a colleague, uh, who, mental health uh, provider in, in a different venue, but, but still uh, a colleague. And, and we were talking about someone we knew who just got a promotion. And really, no one, we're, we're not really sure how that happened. Uh, not a lot of people feel like, like the gentleman is qualified for, for that position or, or very good at what he does. And so we all know those stories. And, and I think sometimes that for the, for people who are introspective, that doubt can run for them. And then the doubt can be fueled by that fire of feeling, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm an imposter. That's why we call it the imposter syndrome. That Like, why am I an expert? And one of the things to consider is people who are struggling with that will often attack people who position themselves as an expert, who do the work to be an expert. One of the things to consider is that if you're doing something that someone else isn't but wants to be doing, and they're not doing it because of fear, most of the time we're not intellectually honest enough to admit that. Most of the time, it's just easier to mock the people who are doing it. And with those mockings, the person who's struggling with some imposter syndrome is going to hear that as truth. It's one of the most uh, salient points for why I believe you have to question not only your feelings, but you have to, or accept your feelings, you have to question them. You have to accept your feelings and then you have to question them for validity. You have to test them. And, And as people process through the different aspects of their life. One of the things that I think is is so important is, you know, there are people that do things and they fail because they really didn't put the effort in. And in some way, that means they were an imposter. But if you put the effort in and it just didn't come up, where is 100% success expected? I talked recently in this show about how we have to examine our expectations to better understand why we felt the way we did when we got to the end. We talked about antecedent behaviors and consequences. And one of the things to consider in all of that is, did I put the work in? Did I do the effort? And and certainly, probably, you could always do more, and we want to avoid perfectionism syndrome. And this is why we live in tension. This is why we hold thoughts in tension. This is why very few things run out perfectly. And so as we navigate those waters... When we have imposter syndrome, one of the things that happens is people tend to want to criticize you. So if you take up, you know, exercise or you start a diet, which I'm not actually a fan of, but but if you do, you, you know, uh, 
oh, well, I tried that and it didn't work. And we live in a society where criticism can be leveled. Like, I often feel like most of our media is driven by the desire and need to criticize people. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's infiltrating into people who aren't in media. And, and, you know, it always amazes me if you put up an article about how guys do something, someone will invariably comment, well, when is the article coming about how women do the same thing? If you put up an article about how women do something, someone will invariably comment, you know, well, when is the article coming about how, how men do the same thing? And so there is this critic. If, if, if we move out of cancel culture, there is this criticism culture that sits on, on, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, it, it sits on our imposter syndrome. And, and you know, I think that one of the best examples of this is people who go around on Facebook correcting people's grammar. Like, first of all, what, how do you wake up in the morning and you want to be the grammar police? Now, I'll tease a few close friends about some of their posts, and certainly my posts will, will get teased by a few more friends. I'm not talking about that, people who have fun with it. But, but the people who are like legit grammar police, I, I'm always amazed when I talk to people and they're like, I just get so angry when I see other people, you know, have poor grammar on their Facebook. Well, I'm glad that you're spending your energy on something that really matters because it's not like language is fluid at all. It's literally not like that. And somebody just was like, oh my gosh, he just said literally when he met figuratively. And actually, according to the dictionary... I can now use literally to mean figuratively. Well, that isn't what it means. Oh, why not? Well, because the dictionary. No, 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 no. Look, here's the dictionary. Well, the dictionary five years ago. Well, yes. Okay there, my friend. But things change, right? Life grows. And, And so this sits on people's imposter syndrome, this criticism culture. And so one of the things that happens is when you start to do something, people are afraid that people are going to think, who are they to try it? Who are you to start a business? Who are you to write a book? Who are you to uh, start a mentoring group? Who are you to start a podcast? Who are you? Like all these things that people just... Part of it is, is because they're wrestling with their own imposter syndrome. They're wrestling with their own inner voice of criticism. Remember, we talked in the past about how do you put things in context for people? In other words, how do you put their behavior in the context of their life? And so sometimes it helps to realize that their criticism is actually rooted in their own imposter syndrome. And so one of the things to do is you trust the process. And this is a phrase that's used a lot. But trusting the process means, look, did you do the work? Did you work uh, to do the research? Did you, uh, do you have a reason that's based in fact for your statement uh, of capability? And, and this is something that I think people people can struggle with because part of it is is we don't do well we don't do well with real criticism and then when false criticism comes we actually tend to give that more credence than we do actually helpful criticism unless we train ourselves to wade into the criticism and look at the process that we use to position ourselves as whatever it is that we're doing uh why we're doing it understanding the why i believe simon senek wrote the book Start with why. What what is it about what you're doing that is motivating you? What is it about what you're doing that you find that you are passionate about? And so maybe it's you want to open a cleaning business. Maybe it is you want to try to only work two days a week. Maybe you want to pay off your mortgage 
in 10 years. Maybe you want to uh, buy a second home in the Caribbean after COVID. I don't know if you've ever watched the show uh, on HGTV, Caribbean Life. Uh, I'm always, uh, I, I just love how beautiful that region of the world is. You, you know, maybe those are things you want to do. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to write a film. Maybe you want to make a film and, and take it to some sort of independent film festival. Maybe you want to pitch an idea to your boss. Maybe you want to raise. If you can start with what it, what is going on inside of you that creates the why for what you want to do, you will be able to better combat imposter syndrome. And then you have to have a real conversation with yourself, an honest, hard conversation with yourself. How good are you at taking criticism? How good are you at listening to critique and adjusting? And it can be hard. But while it's hard, it's an amazing tool to develop your skill set and to fight against imposter syndrome. One of the things that I asked my friend who got the promotion, I was like, so are you good at your job? And I knew the answer, uh, that this person excels at what she does. And she was like, yeah, I, I think I am. I was like, no, there's no thinking. You are good. All the metrics prove it. You've got 20, 30 years in. It's not thinking. You are good. Do you take criticism well? Well, I don't like it. Well, no, that isn't what I ask. Do you take it well? Do you listen to it? Yeah, I think I do. It's like, again, no thinking. Y- your experience says that you do. You're not an imposter. You're an expert. In fact, you're an excellent expert in this position. And I fully suspect that her uh, constituents where she's working will benefit tremendously from her prom- from her promotion. A number of years ago, about five years ago, uh, I was observing an intern. A friend of mine had an intern at his company and I was observing her and she was very stressed and distressed about what she was doing as a counselor. And I asked her, I was like, well, did you do the work? Yep. Do you know how to navigate a room? Yeah, but but what if I fail? I was like, so what if you do fail? Who cares? Go be you, do what you do, and you're going to be well. And today, that therapist is, is hotly in demand, one of the, probably the best therapists that I know of in the area on a constant wait list because she is able to navigate her clients' problems and help them find change, help them facilitate change. And it all may not have gone off because she struggled with imposter syndrome and, here's my transition point, and she struggled with the idea of being embarrassed. This is pretty common for interns, but the truth is it's pretty common for anybody when they think about doing something. They think of failure and then they think that they will be embarrassed if they engage in the activity and it fails, they'll be embarrassed, so they don't engage in the activity, which is typically problematic for growth. Right, And so one of the things that you have to do is you have to come to the place where you know you've done the work. You have to come to the place where you know you've put in the effort. You have to come to the place where you can take criticism, where you can adjust. And then you have to come to the place where you're over embarrassment, where, where you have moved past an embarrassment at failing, that it's okay to fail. In fact, it's not actually just okay to fail. It's good to fail. I know I've talked about you know uh, normalizing failure a little bit in the last few episodes, but today I want to talk about the two things that drive us to avoid failure, this imposter syndrome and then the embarrassment that comes after it, because 
the embarrassment comes because we think failure is bad. In reality, failure is good. In fact, one of the things that I want to talk about in the future is that when you're talking to people and you're trying to negotiate something, getting no is good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do a training on it April 1st for a company. And one of the things I'm going to point out is that we're all so bent on getting yes that we miss the value of no. One of the things that is true of almost everyone's life is that we're all so bent on being successful that we we miss out on the value of failure because we actually are bent on avoiding embarrassment. Even down to, and I, I totally resonate with this. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I had to do some traveling and I had to, you know, that's sitting still and just listening and thinking. And I was thinking through one of the things that I, I had a friend reach out about a manuscript that he wrote, sent it to me. I haven't heard anything from him. I haven't sent him an email like, hey, when do you want to talk about this? And it's not that he doesn't want to talk about it. It's that he wants to avoid being embarrassed, which I don't know. Like, it's actually pretty good. I don't think he would be embarrassed. But I can relate to that. When I wrote my first book, you know, you have an editor and you have all these things and it still gets published with mistakes. And you're like, oh, my soul. That's all people are going to see. That's all people are going to criticize. Uh, and, and that becomes a challenge because it's embarrassing. And I have to wade through the embarrassment. So I actually have a second copy that I want to put up. Uh, a, a, a revised edition, study guide questions inside the book. And and I've delayed doing it in part, and maybe in part because I want the sales, uh, I, sales have been pretty good and I don't want that to be paused while the second edition is getting uploaded and verified and all that. But in part because I don't want to be embarrassed. It's it's We all have some level of pride. And I think one of the things is, is we all either know people who just totally engage in their pride and so they're cocky and we don't want to deal with that. Or we try to, we try to pretend that we don't because we don't want to have any pride. And, and there, there, there should be some level of pride in our work and there should be some level of pride in our effort. And it's okay to be afraid that you're going to be embarrassed. It's okay to be afraid that you're going to struggle. It's okay to have the fears. It's not okay to stop because of the fears. And when we can do this, then we can lean into the imposter syndrome and lead through it. One of the things that I have been thinking about since I heard it in a, actually in a TikTok, was none of us are going to be here in 100 years. No one will probably even know our names in 100 years. So go try it. Go whatever, whatever it is you want to do. You want to start a soap company? Go, go do it. I don't know how you do that, but go do it. You want to get goats? Go get goats. You want to get chickens? Go get chickens. You want to move to the city? Move to the city. You want to go to college? Go to college. Go do it. And if it doesn't work, figure out why and then decide what you're going to do next. But don't ever be embarrassed because you tried. Now, this does bring up a caveat that I think is important. If we try, but if we, if we try, but don't try, we, we may be okay being a little embarrassed there. If we allow that embarrassment to motivate us to move forward, if we allow that embarrassment to allow us to, to, to do better, to dig in deeper. You know, one of the things that, that is, is just crazy to me in, my, in our society that we need to talk about, and we need to talk about what does forgiveness mean and how long is somebody held accountable for what they did? In other words, uh, you know, and I, I've talked about this in the past, I, you know, well, we, we just fired this 38-year-old because of something they tweeted when they were 15. That's insane to me. That's stupid to me. 
But not only that, what that then does is if you have a belief, you, you can't change it. So, you know, 21 years ago, well, shoot, my oldest is 18. So I'll just say 18 years ago, I held very different beliefs on parenting than I do now. And the truth is, there are, there are certainly beliefs that I hold now that are going to change about parenting. There are things that I think right now, like, yep, that's the way to do it. And probably in two or three or four or five years or seven years, I'll be like, man, I could have done that better. Because one of my expectations is that I'm not going to get it right all the time. One of my clients said something to the, effect, to the effect of have a strong opinion held loosely. And I think that's brilliant because it takes away the embarrassment because now, okay, well, I tried that and it didn't work. It's just, it's just part of the process. And there's no imposter syndrome because I'm, I'm going to try this because I'm passionate about it. I may or may not be an expert in whatever it is that I'm trying, but I am passionate about it and I'm going to put the effort in. I'm going to put the work in. I'm going to put the desire of action in, which translates to physical action, so that I can try it. And if it fails and it blows up, it'll be cool. And and I know he's fallen out of favor in modern uh, day uh, because of, of issues with Tesla and, and all of those things. But but Thomas Edison, one of the things, if you ever get a chance to read biographies about him, one of the things that was very enjoyable for me to read uh, about him when I was a young kid, a young lad, uh, or, eh, probably mid-teens, I read a lot of biographies. And, and one of the ones that I read was was on him. And one of the things that I thought was was funny was when his workshop burnt down, uh, hours, thousands of hours of work was lost. Um, but instead of losing his mind about it, he actually went and got his family. He was like, look at this. Look at that. Look at these chemicals blowing up. And he talked about failing. You, you know, certainly he's, he's famous for the uh, quote when, when a reporter asked him, how do you, how's it feel to have failed 150 times at not making a light bulb? And he was like, I haven't failed. I've just learned 150 ways that a light bulb doesn't work. Uh, whether or not that's accurate, I don't know, but but he's typically he's given credit for that exchange. Whatever you think of him, one of the things that he did well was he did not let failure stop him. He did not let failure move him. In fact, most of the people that we admire for success have all had great failures. And they can't let that embarrassment get away from them. I think a lot, especially this time of year, it's baseball starting season. I love baseball. And, you know, they they can't let the pressure of whatever happened in their last at bat affect them. And sometimes they strike out looking bad. Even the best do. Albert Pujols, if you don't know who he is, he might be retiring this year, plays for the Los Angeles uh, Angels of Anaheim. He used to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, and there are some games where he looked really bad. But when you look at the body of work that that guy has put out, he's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He has excelled at what he did. Now, this is not hero worship. I have no idea what he's like as a person. Uh, he seems to be a nice person, but I get it. I don't know him at all. But I just want to talk about his body of work. He has put in the effort. He has put in the batting practice. He has done the work to create a Hall of Fame career. 
And so if he fails, there's no point in being embarrassed in that last strikeout. You got to go out the next time and make the hit. You got to go out next time and get the bat on the ball. And that's the way it is in life. If we focus on our failures and on the embarrassment that could come with them or does come with a past failure, we will miss the opportunity in front of us. So I don't know what you want to do. I know people who start businesses all the time and they fail. And my thing is always, was it a learning experience? I had a friend start an online business and it was a train wreck. But they didn't really do any market research. They didn't really do anything uh, to be successful. Now, here's the thing. I I finally had a conversation with them. And I was like, hey, what do you want out of this business? And and he was like, I just want to be able to create a few things, throw it up. And if I sell some, great. Awesome. Then you're doing that. So it's not actually a failure. Now, I know someone else. She wanted to create an online business. And it was a train wreck. And it was a train wreck because it didn't meet what she was hoping for. She wanted to create a stream of income for her family. But she didn't do the work on the front end. She created the stuff, but she didn't do the work at the front end. I was like, okay, well, what's your SEO look like? What are you doing? And this is something that even for me as a business owner, there are things I don't know. There are things I go look at. uh, I caught a mistake on one of our web pages the other day, and I was embarrassed. It's a failure, but I got to fix it. I got to move it. I've got to change it. We've got to move on. And, And it's okay to fail. It's not only okay to fail, it's good to fail because you know who isn't failing People who aren't trying. I'm going to say that again. If you want to know who isn't failing, it's the people who aren't trying. People who are trying fail. People who are doing fail. So if you're failing, don't be embarrassed. Be proud. Start collecting your failures uh, with, with, with gusto. Start collecting your failures as though they are precious gems. Because in many ways they are, because they mean that you're trying. All right, I hope today's episode has been helpful for you. I hope whatever it is that you're thinking about doing, and I don't care what it is, go ask the boss for a raise, go back to college, write a book, write an article, just try to, to uh, I don't know, remodel your bathroom. I don't care what it is. I hope that you try it. I hope that you do the work on the front end, the preparation, and then I hope that you try it. And if you fail, I hope that you're wildly excited about that failure. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends via social media. That's so helpful to us. Uh, Best advertising that we can get. And we really, we thank you so much. I thank you so much. All right, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.